ladies, gentlemen, and esteemed individuals of all genders, welcome to the most electrifying episode of Making Sense of Money, a podcast dedicated to making complicated financial topics easier to understand. I'm your co-host, Andrew Pellegrini. And I'm your other fabulous co-host, Nikki Jankola-Shanks. Today, we have on one of our favorite returning guests, Donovan Sanchez. Donovan, a certified financial planner, will be pitted against artificial intelligence language model, chat, GPT, to answer some of the top questions financial planners tend to get from clients. Donovan has been on episode 55, Wealth Building as a Balancing Act, and episode 33, Establishing a Vision for Your Life. For newer listeners or anyone that may have forgotten since your previous visits to the podcast, can you introduce yourself and talk a bit about your training as a financial planner, Donovan? Absolutely. And hey, guys, it's good to be with you. Thanks for having me on again. I'm excited for our conversation. A little bit nervous about being pitted against a an AI here, but you know we're going to have some fun. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Nikki, I'm a certified financial planner uh, professional um, I have the CFP designation. That's what that means. So I've got some training, some experience in the realm of financial planning. Um, I currently serve a small number of clients with a financial planning firm. And I also teach full-time at the University of Illinois. We have a financial planning program and I teach there full-time. Um, in terms of education, as I mentioned, I'm a CFP designation holder. I also have a master's degree in advanced financial planning. And I am currently just barely enrolled in a PhD for personal financial planning as well out of Kansas State. So I'm excited about all these things. I love learning. I love the pursuit of knowledge, but I will be the first to admit uh, that the more I learn, the more I realize there's so much more um, to be learned. So anyways, looking forward to our conversation. It's great to be with the two of you. Thank you so much for joining us, Donovan. So I feel like I need to explain what artificial intelligence language models are and why we're doing this episode. So I approached Donovan about doing this episode because I had read several articles lately that AI and ChatGPT in particular was being used to try to get financial advice. Even though there's disclaimers like all over all the AI language models that it's not for advice and it could be inaccurate. People are using it that way. So for example, there was an article in fortune.com that described how the author made a plan to buy a $500,000 home using chat GPT and what some of the downfalls were compared to meeting with a financial planner to make that plan. So we're going to put that in the show notes so you can read more about it. There were also a couple articles related to the use of ChatGPT in creating written outreach around tax changes, which, as we've talked about before, is a very complicated topic. So I can see how people would use ChatGPT to try to get answers on it, or even authors trying to like simplify how do I talk about this in a non-technical kind of way. The, the Forbes article that I found compared interview responses from a legal expert on tax to ChatGPT's answers. And there were some opinion questions, which ChatGPT wouldn't really have the ability to answer since it's a robot. It doesn't have any feelings. It doesn't have any opinions, but there were some very complex questions that were asked too. Most of what ChatGPT did was summarize all possible answers. 
often oversimplifying things or omitting some things completely, and then encouraged seeking advice from a professional, which is why we have Donovan here, right? Because ChatGPT references everything in your conversation with it, they also asked it some questions which ChatGPT thought were riddles. So there were a few tax jokes that it created as a result. And so we will also link that in the show notes so you can look at the tax jokes that ChatGPT created. And then there was uh, an advisor's perspective article that talked about how the author used ChatGPT to draft an article related to tax changes. And even though the prose was really great, it was riddled with falsehoods and errors once a subject matter expert took a really close look at it. So we'll also link that one in the show notes. And part of the reason that there are errors, especially on recent tax changes, is because ChatGPT is only trained on information up until a certain point. And all AI language models are only trained to a certain point right in time as far as what's available to train the language models on. So anything that's more than a couple months old, or in some cases, even more than a couple of years old, you could get some summary information, but there's a lot of new information produced every single day that's not going to be included in the results of those AI language models. So I, after like doing all that research and reaching out to Donovan, I thought it'd be fun to bring Donovan on and ask both Donovan and ChatGPT to answer some frequently asked questions of financial planners and kind of discuss the pros and cons of the responses from ChatGPT. And then we'll probably just use Donovan's experience as a financial planner to identify what types of questions are most frequently asked by clients. And then we'll focus on that. And I just want to say, I'm just going to sneak in here and say, if you are a little lost right now, because I was, when Andrea first started talking to me about this, I didn't know what chat GPT is. I had never really heard of it. And then once Andrea talked talk to me about it, that seems to be all I've heard about. I don't, <laughs> but so it's, I mean, it is very simple to use because you go to the website and you type in a question and it gives you an answer. It's just you need to use critical thinking skills to read the answer and see if it actually makes sense. So that's the simplified version of what Andrea said for those people who were a little lost. Nikki, I'll add here, you know, for any listener who has not yet played around with the technology, it's it's actually a lot of fun to spend some time with. So would encourage you, if you haven't checked it out yet, go check it out ask it some questions. And there's some neat things that you can do. Of course, you know, it's been talked about a lot how you might ask chat GPT to create a story and then you can ask it to adjust it so that it's in the style of Shakespeare or some other thing, um, or maybe to ask it a technical question about something, but, you know, provide me with the response to this technical question that a nine-year-old could understand. And so there's a lot of different things that you can do that, that are, are quite fun. It's very impressive as we'll, I think, discuss in our conversation today, there are some, some limitations, some things to be careful about, but nonetheless is something that is here. It's, it's here to stay. And so I think the most important for us to understand is how can we harness this technology? How can we, we best utilize it to help improve our lives over time? 
Absolutely, Donovan. I've actually been using it to help me brainstorm where I want to go on vacation. But has it been telling you, Andrea? Well, I, I have specific criteria with my vacation planning. And so I ask for summaries on like what are good astrophotography destinations that are also dog friendly and kind of looking at that. I want it in a table format. I want to know if what the moon phase is going to be on certain dates. So I ask it like different series of questions and see what it comes up with. Sometimes it comes up with things that are completely inaccurate. Like it couldn't give me a calendar with accurate dates for October, 2023. So like Donovan said, It has its limitations, but let's get to the game show part of today's recording. All right. So since we're doing this game show style, like the first question we're going to ask chat GBT is how would you describe yourself as a game show introduction? And this is what it just gave me back. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to meet the extraordinary language powerhouse and the ultimate conversational companion. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce you to the one and only ChatGPT, an AI language model developed by OpenAI. With its vast database of information, impeccable linguistic skills, and ability to tackle a wide range of topics, ChatGPT is here to entertain, enlighten, and engage you in an exhilarating game show experience. So fasten your seatbelts and prepare to embark on an unforgettable journey of trivia, problem solving, and witty banter with our remarkable contestant, ChatGBT. Let the game begin. So that was an entire answer just for my one question. Hilarious. Makes me feel a little insecure about my introduction that I gave earlier. So anyways. (laughs) Off to a good start. So Donovan, to get some context on our frequently asked questions, what are some of the questions that you get most frequently as a financial planner? Yeah. And and of course, the the caveat to all of this is that it's, it's always going to depend on the type of person that you're serving. I typically serve individual professional individuals that are in their, let's say, mid to late 30s. And so the questions that they're asking are going to be vastly different in some cases to someone who is in their 50s approaching retirement or to someone in their 70s. And, you know, they're wondering, how do I distribute these assets at my passing? Those kind of things. So the questions that I am seeing from the the clients that I serve and uh, the students that I have and that I, I work with at the university, some of these questions come to mind. Should I invest or should I pay down debt? Right. Anyone who has debt, they're thinking, okay, wh- what do I do? What's the, what's the best way for me to allocate these resources? Um, another one is fairly simple. I'd like to start saving for the future. I'd like to start investing. How do I do that? What's the process for for going about that? Kind of tied into that question too is the question of how much. How much should I save for the future? Not just you know how do I actually go about doing it. How how do I go about saving for the future and investing? How how much should I do? Also, from a current environment standpoint, you know, we've seen the Fed raise interest rates as a means of combating inflation. And so there's a unique opportunity now to put money in a savings account and actually get a fairly decent return on that money. And so the question that we've been seeing recently is, okay, well, what's what's a good high-yield savings account that I might utilize? And of course, uh, again, thinking about the cohort age group of individuals that I serve, a lot of them are thinking about buying a home. So what are the things I need to be thinking about when it comes to making that first home purchase? 
I think those are some some general questions that I'm seeing on a regular basis. I think these these are great questions to start with. So we're going to ask ChatGPT, should I pay down debt or invest? And I want an answer in less than 250 words. So what ChatGPT said is, the decision to pay down debt or invest depends on various factors. If the interest rate on your debt is high, it may be financially beneficial to prioritize debt repayment to save on interest costs. Additionally, high interest debt like credit card debt can be burdensome and hinder financial progress, making it a sensible choice to pay it down first. However, if your debt has a relatively low interest rate and you have the means to make regular payments, investing may offer opportunities for growth. Investing can help you build wealth over time, especially if you have long-term investment horizon. The power of compounding can potentially generate returns that outpace the interest rate on your debt. It's important to strike a balance between paying down debt and investing. Allocating a portion of your funds towards debt repayment can reduce financial stress and provide a sense of security. Simultaneously, investing a portion can help you work towards long-term goals such as retirement or saving for a major purchase. Consider factors such as your financial stability, risk tolerance, and time horizon. If you have high interest debt or are financially strained, prioritizing debt repayment is prudent. Conversely, if your debt is manageable and you have long-term goals, investing can be a way to build wealth. Seeking guidance from a financial advisor can provide personalized advice tailored to your specific circumstances. So Donovan, what do you think of this response? Granted, we we gave it some parameters so that we weren't running this episode for four hours, but <laughs> what's your take as a financial planner? Well, we said to ask to answer in less than 250 words. I'm not sure that that was quite less than 250 words, but it's hard to critique something like that. We're asking it to to provide information about an important topic and do it in a limited fashion. So it might be interesting for our listeners also to go and ask similar questions, see what answers they get to. I will say though, at a, oh, you actually just did the word count. It's 227 words. So it did it. Success. All right, my first critique is completely null, right? But that was a, a silly critique anyways. Well, I think what we're likely to find, let me just provide a general observation here about what we are likely to find from ChatGPT. Generally speaking, I think that it's going to provide some pretty good high-level general advice, similar to the types of topics or guidance that we might find on like reading an Investopedia article about this topic, or maybe reading a reputable blog that's a, a financial blog, or maybe reading something in Wall Street Journal. I think most of the time we're probably going to find some good general information. I think where it's going to fall short is on the personalization standpoint. So here are some things where potentially, well, let's start with some of the good things that I really, really like. So I really like the advice around the, the standpoint of saying, hey, if you've got high interest debt, this is really something that you need to focus on paying down. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Right? If we have credit card debt and it's rate has interest rates that range somewhere between 15 and 25%, doesn't really make sense to invest at all, right? The best thing that we can do in that circumstance is to pay down that credit card debt. So high interest debt, it's really hard to make a case 
for saying that you should invest as opposed to paying down that debt. The other thing where I think that this response is potentially falling short, and again, this is going to come to the into play because this AI tool doesn't really understand all the personal details of our situation. You know, there's certainly some things that I would advocate before the investment process, making sure that we have an emergency fund in place, right? An emergency fund is very important to make sure that we don't go into more high interest debt, right? We don't have an emergency fund, something happens, we're gonna have to swipe that credit card, we could see ourselves going into more debt. I think insurance playing is also really key, right? Making sure that we have our life insurance squared away if we have people financially relying on us, making sure that we have the right disability insurance, health insurance, those kind of things. And again, wow, what a, what a great response in general that we received. However, there are some blind spots that, that just right asking the questions, giving us a good answer, but what are the other blind spots that we might have that we need to take care of before coming in with this question of, how do I, you know, should I pay down debt or invest? Well, there might be other things that we need to do even before that. So that's a, that's one thing to think about. You know, I think also there's a lot of different types of debt. It can co make complete sense to establish a robust debt reduction strategy. And I'm a big fan of getting out of debt. And a, a lot of the guidance that I provide to my clients is in the realm of, okay, how do we reduce this debt in an efficient and effective way possible? But there are unique circumstances where paying down the debt aggressively maybe isn't the right strategy. And I think the one that comes to mind for me, as I, Andrea, as well as you, I know we've had conversations about student loans in the past. Uh, student loan planning may dictate that the most favorable strategy is actually not paying down that portion of the debt as fast as possible if it's possible that forgiveness could be received down the road. And there's a few programs that individuals could be eligible for forgiveness. So, so again, I think without going on and on for too much longer on this first question is, is that, wow, I like this response in general, but there are personalized blind spots where if I'm just reading this and I've, I've just gone to this and I've, I've read it, I might say, okay, you know, let me start making aggressive payments on that student loan. Well, if you qualify for public service loan forgiveness, maybe that's not the best decision to make after all. Um, so again, really great high-level advice, but getting into the specifics of some situation, I could see scenarios where someone could potentially make some errors if this is all that they consult. Donovan, I think you made a really good point of pointing out what the interest rate ranges for high interest credit card debt, because this doesn't, this response that ChatGPT gave us, gave us no context for what high interest debt means or low interest debt means. And for people that are unaware or might have debt averse kind of attitude or approach towards debt repayment, they might assume that a 6% interest rate is high, hmm. right? And so that would like, cause them to prioritize debt repayment when it may not make sense in the broader context of wealth building and, and debt reduction. So excellent point of that additional context being needed. All right. So now it's my turn. I am going to ask chat GBT the answer again in less than 250 words. How do I begin saving for the future? And the answer I got back was to start saving for the future, follow these simple steps. One, set clear goals. Define what you have to save for, such as emergencies, a down payment, or retirement. Having specific goals will help you stay focused. Two, create a budget. Track your income and expenses to identify areas where you can cut back. Allocate a portion of your income to savings. 
Three, automate savings. Set up an automatic transfers from your paycheck or checking account to a separate savings account. This ensures consistent savings without relying on willpower alone. Four, reduce debt. Prioritize paying off high interest debts to free up more money for saving. Five, explore retirement accounts. Contribute to retirement accounts like 401ks or IRAs. Take advantage of any employer matches. Six, cut unnecessary expenses. Review your spending and identify non-essential items or services that you can eliminate or reduce. Seven, increase income. Find ways to boost your earnings, such as taking on a side job or freelance work. Eight, save windfalls. Once you receive unexpected income like bonuses or tax refunds, put a portion or all of it into savings. Nine, track progress. Regularly review your savings and adjust your budget as needed. 10, seek professional advice. Consider consulting a financial advisor who can provide personalized guidance based on your circumstances. By following these steps and maintaining discipline, you can begin saving for the future and build a strong financial foundation. So I can't wait to hear what you're going to say, Donovan, because I have thoughts too, and I'm not even a financial planner. Awesome. No, thank you, Nikki. So again, I'll just make the point, you know, do we feel like there's a significant difference between what ChatGPT is provided here? And again, maybe a blog that we might find out like, what are the first 10 steps that I need to take in order? There's going to be a lot of similarities. And the reason for that is that, as I understand it, in the building of ChatGPT, it was essentially flooded with tons and tons and tons of data. And ChatGPT's objective is to uh, essentially predict what the next best word is as it relates to any given question that we provide with it with. So it's trying to predict, okay, what is the best response here? And as we can see, gosh, there's really a lot to like here, right? I mean, I think, I think in general, again, I really like a lot of the things that are being said. Some things that I really appreciate the value of having a budget. I love, love, love the idea of automating savings. I think that is a clear differentiator for people. If they can automate their savings process instead of having to go into their investment accounts, make the investment choices every single month, gosh, that can be really huge. I really like that. Um, one of the other things that stands out to me is something that I really appreciate is this idea of saving windfalls. In other words, you have an uh, an unexpected amount of money that suddenly comes into your situation. It could be an inheritance, or maybe it's like a bonus that you receive. The idea of saving a portion of that is really, really neat. I call that in the work that I do with my clients, I, I call it having an additional savings policy, where if you get an increase, a raise, or if you get a, a bonus or other thing, you take a predetermined percentage of that amount and you use it towards your financial goals. That could certainly be for saving goals. It could also be for paying down debt and things like that. I'll be a broken record here on the con side, but it's the specificity that we're lacking, right? I think that there's certainly, again, to be a broken record once more, there's the pre-savings things that we need to make sure that we have in place first, those defensive measures, defensive mechanisms, emergency fund, insurance, things along those lines. But again, we've been given some really great general advice but the next question for me is, well, well, how much? How much should I save? And the neat thing about ChatGPT is that we can actually follow up with an, an additional question, right? We can say, how much should I be saving? To which accounts should I be saving? So we do have the capability of further asking ChatGPT questions so we could get some more answers. But again, I think those are, are clear questions and it's difficult to have a good answer to it without understanding the personal circumstances of the individual. 
How much should I be saving? Which accounts should I be saving to? The question of how much depends so much on the income that we're making, the discretionary income that we have available for saving. How much income do we have, right? If I'm a high income earner, I probably need to save more in order to replace a more significant amount of my income at retirement, where if I'm a lower income earner, I still need to save, but a greater percentage of my income is going to be replaced eventually by social security. But again, the question of like, which accounts we have a, a good idea here that utilizing retirement accounts is favorable. However, you know, that's, that's nice, but you know, the differences between retirement accounts can be quite significant. Just for example, the difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA, it can make a great deal of difference in your long-term planning, which account you contribute to based on your current circumstances now, as well as what you would anticipate in the future. So a lot that I really, really love, but again, without the specific, specific circumstance of my situation, it's really not tailored advice. And, and one of the things that we'll notice, I think probably in every question that we ask, the final recommendation or the final note is going to be something to the effect of seek professional advice as it relates to your circumstances, right? That's one of the things that we're going to see time and time again, because again, the, the developers of ChatGPT are very well aware of the fact that, uh, you know, ChatGPT does, or any AI model as they currently stand, right? I'm sure they'll, they'll advance a great deal over the years to come. But the, the AI does have the ability to hallucinate. In other words, it might just create an answer that isn't accurate at all. It's just making something up. Now, I don't really view that in any of these questions that we've asked so far, but it's very difficult if you are not a professional to look at an answer from ChatGBT or another AI tool and know for sure whether or not this is good sound information or if the tool maybe just made something up that sounds really good, right? The prose is fantastic. I, I like reading this. But knowing how accurate it is is difficult unless you have experience in the area. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're going to see at the end of these questions is going to say, hey, it's probably a good idea to seek professional advice for your situation. And Donovan, you kind of highlighted the one that really stuck out to me, which was the explore retirement accounts. And then it just listed some without, you know, if, if I'm a person who is going to use chat GBT to financially plan, I'm only looking at 401ks or IRAs, right? But we know that there's a whole bunch of ways to save out there. Andrea and I are state employees, right? So, and so are you. So we also have a pension that's not mentioned. So I, I just think it, it was one of those things where I was like, if somebody just uses this and it's like, all right, I'm going to search these two choices. It's not going to give people a very robust picture for saving for the future. Well, and it reinforces some, some biases, right? Everyone assumes that everyone has access to 401ks if they are employed, but none, none of the three of us do in our state employment roles. We don't have access to 401ks. Any nonprofits don't offer 401ks. So I think you're right as far as that being a limitation. I also think we've been asking very general questions. So now we're going to ask ChatGPT a little more specific question since I think the previous two questions we've asked have been rather broad. And so they've they've had very general answers. So we're going to ask, how can I balance saving for the future, for example, retirement, while also enjoying my present lifestyle, which is a commonly 
It's a common balance issue. It's something Donovan's very passionate about, right? You've been on a couple times to talk about that balance issue. So let's see if ChatGPT can answer it. It's thinking longer than the other ones. It is actually giving us a little blinking light there. Yeah. I say thinking. It's not thinking. It's, <laughs> it's trying to process. I've actually not seen it work through something this slow in all the times that I've used it, I think. I should disclose too, I actually pay for the the premium version. So it's you like do. 20, it's like 20 bucks a month. And so maybe that's maybe that's one of the reasons why I'm used to seeing it move a little bit quicker too. Yeah, I'm sure that the more people that are using it, the slower it is as well. Yeah. But this is a lot slower than the last couple of times we we've played with it today. Got a lot of people doing some podcast recordings, maybe. <laughs> that might be the case. All right. So this is what it said. Balancing saving for the future while enjoying your present lifestyle requires a thoughtful approach and a focus on your priorities. Here are some strategies to strike a balance. Set number one, set clear goals, define your short-term and long-term financial goals, Determine how much you need to save for each goal and create a budget that accommodates both your present lifestyle and future savings. Number two, prioritize and allocate. Prioritize your savings goals based on their importance and timeline. Allocate a portion of your income towards retirement savings and other long-term goals. Then allocate the remaining funds towards your present lifestyle and short-term goals. Number three, automate savings. Set up automated transfers from your paycheck or bank account to your savings and investment accounts. By automating your savings, you make it easier to consistently save for the future while enjoying your present lifestyle. Number four, track and automate expenses. Regularly review your expenses and identify areas where you can make adjustments. Look for opportunities to cut unnecessary costs without sacrificing the quality of your lifestyle. This can free up additional funds for both savings and enjoyment. Number five, flexibility and adjustments. Remember that life circumstances change and your priorities may shift over time. Continuously reassess your financial goals and adjust your savings plan accordingly. This flexibility allows you to adopt to changing circumstances while maintaining a balance between saving and enjoying the present. Number six, seek professional guidance. Consider consulting a financial advisor who can provide personalized advice based on your specific financial situation and goals. They can help you create a tailored plan that balances saving for the future with enjoying your present lifestyle. Remember, finding a balance is about making conscious choices that align with your values and financial objectives. By planning ahead, being mindful of your expenses, and regularly evaluating your progress, you can enjoy your present while securing a financially stable future. So before Donovan responds, that last point that I made was the exact same as the previous two about seeking professional guidance. And I think part of that is not just the developers making an active choice here. All financial educators, blog authors on finances say, seek professional advice when it comes to most financial decisions. So it could be that it's being trained to this for this. So for instance, when Nikki and I discuss anything related to taxes, legal, 
legislation type stuff, or we say, hey, seek a financial professional. We're not an attorney. We're not CFPs. So that could be also a component of that last piece. But I wanted to point that out since it is a trend that we've noticed. But Donovan, what's your hot take on this one? Well, I think this looks like a really nice blog snippet. You know, I think that this is a a some really great uh, general advice. I think one of the challenges that uh, whether we are perusing Google or if we're having some fun with chat GPT is that it's one thing for us to read this information. I think it's quite another to actually go out and implement it, which is why you see so many people when they're approaching their goals, seeking out some sort of coach or some sort of other human being to help guide them through the process. Now, I actually think that there's a there's a, a wonderful place for doing it yourself, right? Do it yourself is fantastic. And a lot of people derive a lot of satisfaction about accomplishing things on their own. But I do think that for a lot of things, and a simple example that many of us have dealt with is you know, wanting to be a little bit better around the food that we eat for whatever reason it might be, maybe just being a little bit healthier. Maybe it's because we want to shed a few pounds. You know, it's one thing to say, okay, here's what I should eat, right? I, I think most of us could pretty easily identify the healthy and nutritious food. But when it comes to the heat of the moment, at the end of the day, do we reach for that carrot or do we reach for that cookie, right? So that's, that's the thing that I'm thinking about here as I'm considering how people might utilize this tool. Again, looking at this answer, gosh, so many great things. But how successful are we going to be taking that information and applying it to our lives in a, in a consistent way to where we really are aligning our values with our finances? And again, I think that for some people, it's a hobby. It's what they love. They could very well go do that. But I think having another human being there help coach you through, I think is also really worthwhile. So that's kind of my high level thoughts on this one. Again, poking at some of the things that I really like. I just love the automation. I love setting clear goals and prioritizing those things. One of the questions that I would have if I were utilizing this myself is, well, how do I go about setting those goals? How do I go about prioritizing those goals? And this is maybe a bit of a shameless plug for a previous conversation that we've had about talking about setting a vision for our life, right? And that's one of the things I like to have a vision document that I'm referring to on a weekly basis or so. So again, generally speaking, really like the information that's being provided here. However, I'm not sure that it gets us the next step in terms of making sure that it actually happened. That's a challenge that we always face when we're reading material. Sometimes it is nice to have a coach or an advisor help us along the way too. So for instance, ChatGPT is never going to ask clarifying questions where Donovan will. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can use myself, but you know, any other person, it could be parents, it could be, it could be a spouse, it could be other friends or loved ones. Certainly it can be professionals as well if we're if we're in the professional realm. But as it stands today, now now they are trying to, and I've actually seen this done where they're taking the information that chat GPT will produce because it's very conversational, right? This is very nice to read, very natural language. And we, if we want to, we could ask chat GPT to be a little bit funnier, like tell us this response, but make it kind of funny. And it will do that. You know, and we might actually find ourselves chuckling. 
Uh, we might not, we might groan. It just depends on you know what 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 the response looks like. But what I've seen is that there's an attempt to also visualize this. So I was at a conference recently where the engine for language was chat GPT. They use another tool to actually, you know, vocalize the language. So the robot started to speak. And then they also had another AI that they utilized to create an imaging. So it looked kind of like a person that was having a conversation with you on a screen. Now, as it stands right now, it was more on the kind of a little bit creepy lines and actually like, wow, this looks really real and this is really natural, but it's not going to be very long. We all know it's not going to be very long before things do look very natural and very normal. And, you know, we're having conversations with AI where visually it's hard to distinguish between the AI and a human, but, you know, we're not there right now. We'll, we'll have to continue to deal with these challenges and circumstances as they come in the future, right? Will will there be jobs that could be eliminated by these technologies? Well, I think it's it's reasonable to think that, yeah, there could be, but I think as it stands now, and I think as it will probably be in the future, again, predicting the future is always a dangerous thing to do. I'm not trying to predict anything. But what I think is going to happen is that professionals, and I'll speak for financial advisors here, I don't think that chat GPT as it stands today is really doing anything much different than someone would find if they did their own Google search, right? They can you know, do their own Google search and, and find out this information. So it's all out there. The information for financial planning has been out there for a long, long time. And so instead of replacing advisors, I think more so what it's doing as it stands in its current state, I think financial advisors are going to adopt it. They're going to adopt the technology and they're going to utilize it to try to serve their clients better. Because at the end of the day, right? The financial planning work still needs to get done. We can learn some great information here, but we actually have to go out and we have to build a budget. We have to go out and get an estate plan put together. We have to, we have to open up investment accounts and we have to fund those. We have to figure out our student loan situation. So again, you know, I, great information. I, I love the things that have been put up uh, right now, but actually getting it done is, is where I feel like as it stands today, I, I don't think that financial advisors or other professionals are at a big risk of being replaced. That could change in the future. We'll have to monitor things and see how, how the technology develops. But nonetheless, you know, I think the information, at least that is provided in our conversation so far, has been, I think, pretty good general information. Donovan, I have a question that's maybe a little bit out there, but when we're thinking about applying the knowledge either from a blog or from ChatGPT and some of the value that financial planners bring, as a financial planner, do you have people or like a percentage of your clients that you might say, here are all the things that you should do. And then they only, they're like, cool, I'll do like 80% of what you said or 60% of what you said. And so if we're thinking about application of knowledge, even when people pay for a financial planner, they don't always do what the financial planner says. I, I, this is a great question, Andrea. I think that the the reality is, is that as human beings, we are often not perfect at following guidance or doing the things that we know we need to do. I would also say though, as a financial advisor, I don't view my role as necessarily being to provide clients with what they must do. My role as a financial advisor is to struggle and stumble through important questions with my clients and provide them with what I believe are solutions that are in their best interest. And it's possible that the, from an efficiency standpoint, the optimal solution that I recommend 
may not be the best decision for my client. So I think here's an example that a very common one that, that people hear about all the time, right? We have this issue about paying down debt. Should I pay down my debt from the order of the highest interest rate debt to the lowest? So I'm paying off those highest interest rate debts first, or should I pay off the lowest balance, right? Anyone that's read about this a little bit, you, you'll hear it referred to as the debt avalanche approach, where you pay off the highest interest rate versus the debt snowball method, where you're paying off that small balance first, and then you're shifting to the next highest balance and so on and so forth. From an efficiency standpoint, it's hard to argue against paying off the highest interest rate first, right? The math is going to play out where paying off the highest interest rate is going to save you the most money over time, right? We're, we're talking about multiple debts here, right? We're not talking about just one day. We're talking about multiple debts and, and how do you go about tackling those. From an effectiveness standpoint, however, the optimal strategy may be the debt snowball method. They may need to pay off the lowest debt balance first to give them a psychological win, right? So human beings are not robots. So they don't look at this from mathematical formula and say, oh, I should pay off that highest interest rate first. A lot of times if people are insignificant, you know, they have multiple credit cards and things like that. It's not because they can't do math. It's because they have a, a behavioral thing that they're dealing with that's they're maybe spending more than they should be. So that's a very human thing. They need a human solution, which could be a solution that doesn't necessarily result in the lowest amount paid over time in comparison to the debt avalanche method, but it's going to be most effective because it's going to help them get the motivation to actually accomplish things. Now, that's a simple example there, but again, I view my role as a financial advisor, and I think a lot of advisors view their roles as this way as well, as helping provide clients with ideas that they could implement that are best for them. I, I think less and less advisors today are prescribing, here's what you absolutely must do. There may be certain situations, extreme circumstances, where, you know, if the advice isn't followed, then, you know, it might make sense that the relationship isn't a good fit, right? That's possible. If someone's really not saving enough for retirement and the advisor over a number of, over a long period of time is saying, hey, we need to increase our savings. Here's how we can do that. And client says, well, I'm, I'm just not going to do it, then maybe that's not a good relationship, right? It's not serving either party very well. And there's, you know, a concern on the advisor standpoint where at some point this person is going to get to retirement and they didn't follow the advice. And so they're not going to be well prepared, right? That's a circumstance where an extreme circumstance where maybe it, it makes sense for to say, hey, you have to do this or else we can't work together. But most of the time we're saying here are ideas, you know, based on your goals and objectives, which one of these do you feel is best for you? And then we struggle and stumble through that together a little bit more. So it's a process, it's an iterative process of trying to find optimal solutions for our clients. But it's it's very much not from the standpoint of, I know all the answers, here's what you have to do. We're trying to uncover the answers together. So for this next question, I'm going to kind of just give the highlights that ChatGPT gave back to me. And I'm going to be very clear about what I thought the question was asking me. I'm going to be clear about what the question I thought I was asking. Okay. So the question I had was, what is a good high yield savings account? I read that as, how do I know that's a good high yield, right? Like, as opposed, this percentage is this percentage, et cetera. Chat GPT gave me an answer that started out with, 
A good high yield savings account offers competitive interest rates, convenient access to funds and strong customer service. Here are some factors to consider when looking for one. And then it went through five things, interest rates, looking for savings accounts that provide higher interest rates. The APY, the annual percentage yield, pay attention to that. You know, the higher the APY, the more your savings will grow. Three, fees and minimum balance requirements. That's talking about the actual like opening up an account. For accessibility, consider how easily you can access your funds. Look for savings accounts that offer online and mobile banking. Five, FDIC or NCUA insurance. So making sure that your account is, you know, the bank or credit union is insured. I'm sorry, there were six. Six, reputation and customer service, making sure that you research. And then at the end, it said, some examples of popular high yield savings accounts include Ally Bank, Marcus by Goldman Sachs, Discover Bank, and Capital One 360 performance savings. However, it's important to conduct your own research, compare offerings, and choose an account that aligns with your specific needs and preferences. So this question to me didn't actually answer, like the answer was not what I was looking for with that wording of my question. I personally found it very weird that it only mentioned these are popular high yield savings accounts. Okay, what does that mean? Like, does that mean, why are they popular? So I was just, to me, this was, was not a great answer from GPT. Yeah, Nikki, I'll provide some some comments here as well. From from like a, I think if you were to ask a financial advisor, if I'm being frank with you, Nikki, I think if you were to ask a fr- financial advisor about this question, you'd probably get a pretty similar response as what ChatGPT provided. So I can't necessarily say that humans are always going to be better at providing responses. And I think when it comes to time and technical proficiency, we are going, as in like time, when I mean like a rate of getting a response back, human beings are always going to lose. And I think ChatGPT and other AI models, their accuracy will improve over time as well. I mean, we've already seen, you know, the best human chess players in the world get dominated by AI technology for playing chess. And we're going to see more and more that humans are not good calculators. We're not good at pulling out uh, information immediately. But I think what we can be pretty good at and where I, where I think that we can still add a lot of value is in the realm of like strategic planning. So again, looking at what ChatGPT provide at a high level, I think you'd probably get a similar response from a financial advisor. I really like the things that they mentioned about accessibility. So how easy is it to be able to pull money from that account to another? Information about making sure that it has good FDIC coverage. Wow, that is so important this year. And it's, it's going to continue to be important. We need to be careful. Be careful about limits and things along those lines. The one thing that I think it's not being specific on, and this could be a result of it not having the most up-to-date information, but we want to know what a competitive rate is. Well, what's a competitive rate? And we could do another quick Google search and find that out easy enough. But there are other factors to consider as well, right? For me personally, now, you know, I'm somewhat hesitant to even disclose this because I can see judgmental financial advisors looking at me already. I have decided, and I'm not going to, I won't name drop products and things like that because I don't really think it's my place on this conversation to do that. But I am using a high yield savings account that is not offering the absolute highest rate of interest. Now I could, 
I could go open up a high yield savings account for the express purpose of just because I want the absolute highest that's available. I have not done that because I also value convenience and simplicity. So I have a good enough solution where I manage my investments that also offers a high yield savings account option. And so again, it's not the absolute highest interest rate, but if I wanted the absolute highest, I'd have to increase the complexity of my life a little bit more. I'd have to have a, another account open up somewhere else that I have to keep track of. I'd have to make sure that I manage it. And maybe if there was, maybe if things changed and there was a higher interest rate elsewhere, I'd have to change it again if I really want to always be maximizing. And so what I've done is I found a good enough solution at my current tool that I'm utilizing where I hold most of my other investments. And so I reduce complexity. I keep it there and it's a good enough solution. So that's another thing that as a human being, I might take into account if I'm providing investment guidance to somebody else and say, hey, there's another factor to consider, which is simplicity. Yeah, you could get a little bit higher rate elsewhere, but you have to keep track of another account, another institution. So anyways, just another thought that I thought I'd I'd share with you too. Yeah, and I guess for me, it maybe it's also getting used to on the user end, figuring out what words you need to put in to get exactly what you want from ChatGPT. It's never going to be exact, but like, to, like I said, to me, this was more like, how do I set up an account in general? Then it was like, what is a good high yield savings account? Like, how do I know that this one compared to that one is better? Like, is it a certain rate? Is it, you know, that was what my, more my thinking was going. So I just think it, everything you said, obviously on point, but I think it's also one of these things that maybe in the future, users are much better at inputting what they want as well. For me, I feel like in this particular case, just talking to you would have been easier and quicker and made more sense. Well, that's very kind of you to say that, Nikki. And 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 again, the the interesting thing here is the follow-up that our our listeners can do is, you know, there you can ask follow-up questions, right? So in the event, Nikki, you're like, okay, I don't like that response, or you know, I, I there's more. We can ask GPT to do that as well. But of course, I do think that it's a lot easier for us to have conversations with other human beings because we can share more information very quickly that way. And someone who has seen a lot of individuals like you, Nikki, they're you're telling them about their situation and they've worked with a lot of people like you you know, they might have some really good ideas from a strategy standpoint that's kind of hard to convey to, to a, an AI model, at least in its current form. All right. So because we've answered, we asked ChatGPT really broad kind of general questions for this last question we're planning to address, I'm going to give it some additional context. So I'm I'm telling it I'm a recent graduate from UIC with a bachelor degree in microbiology. I have $18,500 in student loan debt. I have about $1,500 in credit card debt from my spring break trip. And I have a new job that starts at $41,000 annually, which I will begin in September. How much should I spend on a home if I choose to stay in the Chicagoland area? So that is a lot more context that potentially a financial planner would have when providing some response. So let's see what ChatGPT says. I'm just going to read the whole thing and then we'll discuss. So 
Given your financial situation, it's important to approach home buying cautiously and consider your various factors. Here's a general guideline for determining how much to spend on a home. Assess your current debts. Prioritize paying off your credit card debt first as it likely carries higher interest rates compared to student loans. Allocate a portion of your income towards paying off this debt as quickly as possible. Side note, that's consistent with all of our other <laughs> responses. Uh, number two, evaluate your income and expenses. With an annual salary of 41000 it's crucial to create a comprehensive budget that accounts for all your expenses, including housing costs, loan payments, utilities, transportation, groceries, and other living expenses. Calculate how much you can comfortably allocate toward housing after considering these expenses. Number three, consider debt to income ratio. Lenders typically use a debt to income ratio to evaluate your ability to afford a mortgage. It's advisable to keep your debt to income ratio below 43%. Calculate your debt to income ratio by dividing your total monthly debt payments, including student loans, by your gross monthly income. This will give you an idea of the mortgage payment you can afford. Number four is down payment and closing costs. So saving for a down payment is crucial. While it's possible to secure a mortgage with a down payment as low as three to 5%, it's generally advisable to aim for a 20% down payment to avoid private mortgage insurance or PMI costs. Additionally, consider the closing costs associated with buying a home, typically ranging from two to 5% of the purchase price. Number five is affordability and market conditions. Research the local real estate market in the Chicagoland area to understand the average home prices and assess whether they align with your budget. Remember to account for property taxes, homeowners insurance, and ongoing maintenance costs when calculating affordability. Given your current debt and income, it may be wise to focus on paying down your credit card debt and building an emergency fund before considering homeownership. Once your debts are under control and you have saved a sufficient down payment, you can reassess your budget and consider purchasing a home that aligns with your financial goals. However, it's important to note that these are general guidelines and seeking personalized advice from a financial advisor or mortgage professional can provide you with a more accurate assessment based on your specific circumstances. So Donovan, Boom. what are your thoughts? Hey, there we go. Seek advice from professional again, right? This is the refrain that we've seen time and time again. Let me just say, like, a lot of this is really good. Like, a lot of it's really, really good. So I love, love, love the, the very kind way that chat GPT is asking, you know, or suggesting, hey, you know, maybe it's a good idea to focus on some other things before diving in. You know, it's, it's very nice. I thought it was very kind and in kind of that letdown, right? We have to appreciate it for that. Of course, you know, anyone, any good financial advisor, I think most people in general from an outside perspective, because remember buying a home is an emotional thing. Like, if you're if you're looking for that first home, it is is just emotionally charged. You want it. You're maybe trying to push things up to the maximum that your budget could allow, and it's hard as an individual to dial yourself back. But I think that most people, I hope all financial advisors, and as we can see, ChatGPT is advising, hey, look, there are some things you got to take care of first. You got to get out of that credit card debt. 
right? That is not something that you want to have. I love the suggestion, again, building up that emergency fund. It's doing a pretty good job of saying, hey, here's some things that you should prioritize first. Again, blind spots. We need to be, oh, let me provide a few other positive things and I'll provide maybe some blind spots that I think we're not seeing. And again, my fear as uh, in people who are using chat GPT or even just, you know, Googling their questions in general is that they may not know what the questions are that they should ask. Like, this is a great answer that it's given us. But as I'll note here in a little bit, I think that there are some, some pretty big blind spots. But if I'm not, if this is not a space that I've inhabited for very long, it's pretty difficult for me to see those blind spots. So anyways, I love the suggestion. Hey, look, focus on paying down that credit card debt, build that emergency fund. I thought it was really cool that it actually provide us with the calculation for calculating your debt to income ratio. That's pretty nice. If I'm, if I don't have a background in personal finance, debt to income ratio, man, that sounds like that's might as well be Greek. Like, I don't know what it's talking about. I think that the recommendation to do a 20% down payment is just great, right? Avoiding private mortgage insurance, if at all possible, I think is really, really key. Now, some things that I'll mention as I think are blind spots. Again, on the student loan debt, right? We talked about this before. It may be possible for forgiveness. So that needs to be taken into consideration here. The debt to income ratio of 43%. In my opinion, that is really significant. That is very, very high in my view. So I think that striving to keep debt to income ratio much lower than that is advisable. Now we we have rules of thumb, right? Some advisors would say like, you know, don't let your total debt to income ratio go above 36%. Again, and these rules of thumb can be nice, but it, it's as simple as this, right? If you have a significant amount of your monthly paycheck going to debt, whether it be student loans, credit card debt, or mortgage, that's less money that you have to do other things with, be it uh, to go on vacations or to go out to eat, or of course, to save for retirement, right? To save for the future. And so when I'm working with my clients, we're usually not looking at necessarily a target percentage of debt to income ratio, but we are certainly keeping it lower than 43%. I think it would be very difficult to save for the future and to also, you know, spend money on things that we experiences if you have a debt to income ratio as high as 43%. So that's one thing that I think makes me uncomfortable there. When chat GPT says to talk to a financial advisor or a mortgage professional, the criteria for a mortgage professional is their goals are to get you in a mortgage. And so the, the highest debt to income ratio that they can consider is what they're going to consider. They're not going to tell you if they can't, if you can't afford something based on their criteria. A financial planner may tell you based on all these additional factors, your existing debt, your lifestyle choices, you may not be able to afford this home that you're looking at. Financial planner is going to have a different goal than a mortgage professional like what ChatGPT has advised here or, or provided here. So Andrea, I, I appreciate you bringing up that there, there may be different uh, objectives depending on the professional, as you were mentioning, you know, someone who's lending might be more inclined to say, hey, here's the maximum loan that you could get. Uh, whereas a financial advisor might say, you could get this maximum loan amount, maybe upwards of up to 43% of debt to income ratio, but should you do that? And so I think a, a good financial advisor is going to say, hey, 
if you are spending 43% of your gross income on debt, how realistic is it that you're going to be able to accomplish your other financial plan goals while also being able to live your values? So using your money in ways that can increase your experiences with loved ones, things along those lines. The last thing that I would mention here that I think is a bit of a blind spot from just the initial response that we've been given is a time frame. So a lot of people get really excited about buying a home, even if they're maybe only going to be there for a few years. And the, the danger with that is, of course, when you buy a home, there's closing costs involved. And so you may end up not recouping those if you're not going to be in that home for very long. And so, of course, other market conditions, right, the home going down in value is also a possibility. We usually think of homes going up in value over time and over a long period of time. I think that's a good assumption to make. But in shorter time frames, it's a little bit more challenging. So I think time is also an important consideration for people to take into account as they're looking at buying a home. I think that's a great point. And for me, I know Donovan keeps saying that the the chat GPT has good answers and I'm not going to say it doesn't. Like I, I'm amazed at how it comes back. But I think for me personally, knowing the type of financial person I am, I would need to talk to somebody because it needs to be so individualized that, yeah, maybe this can give you an idea of like, okay, these maybe... If I go talk to somebody, this is what I should ask, like make sure, but to make financial decisions just using this, I just would not recommend. Information can be dangerous sometimes, right? Even even good information for some people when applied to our lives may not be the best way to go at all. So again, as we've mentioned a few times already, Nikki, thank you for bringing this up. Yeah, I just think that it is so important to get a perspective from someone who's been there a time or two. They've seen a lot of scenarios like the one that you're experiencing. And they can maybe answer questions that you're not even thinking of. You know, you might ask them a question and say, oh, here's your, here's your answer, but here's some of the other things that you may have not thought about. And so having those conversations uh, with other human beings is, I think, really valuable. Still, even in 2023. I completely agree. Well, I think we have probably taken a lot of your time, Donovan, but I appreciate all of your insightful comments on the utility of ChatGPT to answer some of the, the big questions that a lot of clients or consumers ask. I'd also like to point out that because AI language models are learning so quickly, they're becoming very popular in our, our daily lives. There's also a lot of potential for their use in scams. So our our traditional pointers on on how to identify a fraudulent text or a fraudulent email where we say look for misspellings is not going to be the case anymore. <laughs> You're going to have to do some critical thinking because ChatGPT has already been able to earn an MBA at an institution. It's been able to convince a human to solve CAPTCHAs. It has also been able to hire humans just by it being a language model. So it can, it can make us think that it is a human and that can be concerning. I think we've also learned today that there's some opportunities for it to give really good answers, but not very specific answers to our individual situations. So taking all that into effect, I would like to say... I think that we learned that financial planners are a little bit better 
than ChatGPT, but ChatGPT might be able to give us some language and some information to approach a financial planner with or approach a financial problem with. Well, that is very nice of you, Andrea, to say that. And uh, I did not bribe Andrea to say that, by the way, or anything like that. I think if I'm if I'm being honest, I think that from a processing standpoint and from a technical standpoint, you know, humans are just not going to be able to keep up with with AI. I still think, as we've I think uncovered together, there's immense value in speaking with other people, having someone who's empathetic, who's hearing out your situation, who can guide you, who can think strategically with you, who can hold you accountable. Those things are still still really valuable. And so the technology is here. It's not going away. I really appreciate you bringing up, I didn't even think about AI in the context of scams and things like that. That's something for me to put on my radar that I need to be thinking of. The technology will be used for good. It will be used for ill. It's something that we're going to need to to deal with and to try to understand a little bit more. But I think that in using it for good, we can improve our lives and improve our situation. So uh, I don't think it's something to to be fearful of, but something to embrace and try to use for for the good of uh, mankind, I guess you might say. I agree, Donovan. So thank you again for joining us, Donovan and ChatGPT. I think that we're going to wrap things up for today. And again, Donovan, we love having you on. So I'm sure you'll be back. Thanks everybody for listening. And as always, please like and subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks guys.